This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Tundy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. You may have noticed there hasn't been a new episode in a few weeks. This hiatus was not planned. My mom passed away the morning of Mother's Day, and when that happened, I needed to take a break. I was not in a space to pay proper attention to the podcast. One reason I will keep this podcast going is because Mom would listen to the episodes while going through chemotherapy back in the winter of 2020-2021. When I thought about my return episode, it wasn't much of a struggle to know who I wanted to talk to. I wanted to bring back episode 2 guests and Lift the Mask founder Justin Goldman, not just because of his tie to the Lift the Mask project and advocating for mental health among goalies, but because he too lost his mother suddenly over a year ago. This episode won't be like other Tendy Talk podcast episodes. We talk a lot about our moms and how we are dealing with the grief. It was important to me to record this episode as a part of the healing, but also knowing it just might help another goalie or person out there also dealing with grief. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Justin. Awesome. Justin, thanks for joining me. We uh little technical uh, issues as I, I try a new new recording option here. So it, it seems to be working good. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me back on. Was I am I correct when I um when I say I think I was the first guest on your on your show? You were it's interesting, yes, that you were actually guest number two and you are also the second repeat guest. Okay, awesome. Guest number one was Bones, and he was also the first repeat guest. So <laughs> nice. 
All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sitting here going, okay, my uh, old college teammate, Richie, was guest number three. Do I have to reach back out to him and keep the trend going or what? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Bones is an unbelievable dude. I actually finally got a chance to meet him face-to-face for the first time at the uh, GGR yeah. earlier this month in Breckenridge. So happy to uh, follow him up on your podcast here. Yeah, Bone, Bones has been great. He and I text uh, quite a bit. Uh, my wife and I almost moved to Nashville, and the, the conversations we had going back and forth about school districts, neighborhoods, uh, what leagues he could get me into, all that kind of stuff. He, he was fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, it was funny. I was flying to Chicago last week. I, I've been going all over the place. It's crazy, but I was flying to Chicago last week on Southwest, and he's a baggage handler down in um, – Nashville and my flight was coming from Nashville and I sent him a text I said I feel like I should be watching everybody coming off the flight if you're on there and he was like no no I'm, I'm not on the flight but uh, I am working so I he goes I may I may have touched your plane and I I, I responded to him I said that sounds dirty but hey whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah. he's got a pretty good pretty good gig there and it's uh nice that he can get a sweet discount on flights to go wherever the heck he wants yeah you know as, as long as you got a little bit of flexibility and you're okay flying standby you know you can get a lot of traveling with those yeah apps. for sure <laughs> yeah well I I want to thank you you know I I reached out to you to see if you'd be my first guess is I bring the podcast back after uh, my mom passed away. You know, for the listeners, I, I haven't had a new episode in uh, probably close to two months. And that wasn't planned. It was uh, just, it was sudden. And as I was trying to think of how to bring the podcast back, um, I immediately thought of you uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is the Lift the Mask project. You know, a- after a sudden loss like that, the emotions and the feelings we have in, in what we go through with that. But also you experienced something similar of your mom passing away. And for my understanding is that it was fairly sudden for um, you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, extremely sudden, um, extremely unexpected. She was healthy. She was 69 years old and um, a brain aneurysm is one of those things you can't prepare for. No. Um, and it's a, it, it was not only was it a complete shock to our family, you know, cause my dad is 15 years older than my mom. So my dad's in his mid eighties, right. My mom was 69 and healthy and, and my dad's relatively healthy. And um, yeah, it was just a complete shock and by far and away the most um, traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my life. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to put into words, but yeah, it was something I went through and, and it changed me 100%. Um, I am not the same man I was before <laughs> my mom passed away. And, um, I, I'm, I'm just really grateful that I was able to, you know, not only lean on so many friends, um, both in the goalie community and just here in Denver, but, you know, my relatives as well to help me get through it. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, the, the people that literally come out of the woodworks to just check in on you, you know, offer their support. And, you know, some people you barely know And the fact that they took that time, it, it, uh, I know it helped me, you know, even though 
you know, in those situations, people say, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, what do they really do? But to, to know you got those people in your corner, it, it does do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and f- for me, it was, it was a lot of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really didn't express much emotion or show much emotion when it first happened. Um, I was just, my eyes were as wide as, as dinner plates. Um, and I was just trying to, trying to grasp what had happened. Um, the, the trauma that I experienced was significant just because of how it happened and how it unfolded and how fast it all, it was a complete blur. Um, and then I think it was a week later, you know, pretty much the same day that the funeral was held. Um, that's when I finally broke down. That's when I finally, you know, was able to let all those emotions come out. Um, and yeah, you know, it was a, it was a significant, um, and poignant turning point in my life. Um, and it's still something that I look back on and just ask like, what the hell happened? You know, like how, you know, how, why, um, what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've just, you know, I, I took an entire year off. I took an entire year off and I've never done that before. Um, and, and it was the most important thing I could have done for myself. Um, I think, you know, when it first happened, it was November of 2020 in the middle of getting ready to publish the power within two. Yeah. Um, right around the holiday season. Yeah. I mean, my Uh, mom was going through chemo for breast cancer at that point. So I I, I remember, you know, I was having feelings about the apple prognosis was good, but I saw that and like my heart just melted for you. It's like, Mm -hmm. what do I even say to Justin? (laughs) Like, yeah, there's really not much people can say to you. (laughs) I I think that's exactly right. Is it's, it's not, you know, what you say, it's just the thought that counts. Um, and just saying anything is better than just saying nothing. Yeah. Um, and everyone handles trauma and horrible loss of life differently. And that was one thing that was really interesting for me to experience was how all of my friends and family members handled talking to me very differently. There were some guys that purposefully did not reach out for a few weeks because they knew it was so overwhelming and they had experienced loss in the past of a family member. And then they would reach out and they said, Hey, we didn't, I didn't reach out to you for a few weeks because I knew you were going through a lot. I'm thinking of you. I'm here for you. You know, anything I can do, just let me know. And, and that is true healing. Like when you get a call from a buddy, whether it's a close friend or it's a distant friend that you haven't seen in years, um, having someone reach out to me was, was like pure and pure real healing. And it was so great to hear from people. Um, and to know that, you know, um, my family was in the thoughts of these people that I've known for years and that I've tried to help for years or worked with for years. Um, so, so yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's now it's not hard to talk about because it's been, for me, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as someone who tries to advocate for mental health in the goalie community, um, it was something that I knew I had to do. I knew I had to talk about it. I knew I had to, um, 
once I started talking about it and sharing what happened and telling the story, even though that was hard, that also created more healing because it allowed for me to find a way to connect with others in the goalie community, friends, friends and coaches and goalies Mm -hmm. that had also lost a parent or lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. And when you start to realize like, Oh my gosh, so many of my friends have also lost like a parent or a loved one. Like, wow, I, I don't feel as alone as I originally thought I would feel. Yeah. Um, and, and for someone like yourself that re- more recently lost your mom, like I hope that by knowing someone like myself has lost a mom, it helps yeah. in some way, you know, it, it hope, I hope it helps in some way because there is a mutual understanding between us that we didn't have before. Right. Um, and that creates a, a kind of a special bond. Um, and, and, you know, just, you know, brings our friendship to a higher level of understanding. Yeah. It, it's interesting you say that because, uh, one of my good friends from college, Ashley, um, I, we, we always joke and say we're brothers from another mother. And mm. we say that because it should be pretty obvious when the two of us are together. Cause I'm this lengthy white kid and he's this wide black kid with dreadlocks. Yeah. But like we are brothers, you know, through and through. And mom just loved Ashley, but his mom about two, three years ago died unexpected, not necessarily unexpectedly, but she was sick and it was quick. Mm-hmm. And that day I called him and I was like, what do I do? You know? And he, he was just like, emotions are going to come in waves. Feel them. Don't suppress mm-hmm. them. He goes, if you suppress them, it's, if you let them come in waves, it's manageable. But if you suppress them, then they come in a tsunami and you can't handle that, mm-hmm. you know, but it was, he was one of the few people where like he went through what I was going through and that, you know, your, your mom, it was totally out of the blue, but for both of us, it was quick, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like the emotions, you know, were, were the same. And, you know, I, I think I reached out to you too, you know, a little bit later, just like, Hey, or no, you reached out to me, I, I believe, and just mm-hmm. sent a nice message. And, you know, I, I appreciated that. It, you know, it was heartfelt. It was, you know, but to your point too, is people take it different ways. You know, there are just a few people that sent a message. Hey, I'm thinking about you. And that meant a lot. And <laughs> I remember my, my mom and dad live on a coastal island in North Carolina. And so they mm-hmm. got this nice little community. There's one little restaurant they go to all the time. And they actually insisted on hosting the memorial there. And Corey, uh, the it's a husband and wife that own it, and she came over that day and everything else. And she goes, um, Corey didn't come with not because like he doesn't feel bad; he just doesn't know how to act in these situations. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. and she goes, he just feels like it's better if he doesn't show up and act weird versus show up. She's like, but don't worry. He said he's going to bring you guys food, but not for like a week because everybody else is going to bring their food. He's, he's mm. going to wait until that dies down. And I mean, he he made he's a cook, so like he made stuff <laughs> that was just amazing and actually thoughtful too. Because my sister and her family were in, and one of her daughters is vegetarian, the other is gluten free because of health issues. So he brought <laughs> three different meals over for like four nights in a row. That oh, that's met, unreal. Met everybody's dietary needs. It was just like. The, those little things go so far with us. Now, before I forget, I, I wanted to ask, what was your mom's name? So that, you know, we, we remember yeah. her that way. Yeah, her name was Michelle. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, 
what was your mom's name? Louisa. Louisa. Know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, her affectionate name for me was usually Butthead or Bubba. Okay. <laughs> I was like, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom didn't have any nicknames for me, um, but she was always praying for my soul. My mom was. <laughs> my mom was very, very spiritual and very, very um, pious and really committed to her faith. Definitely. And I was, I was raised Roman Catholic. Even, you know, I have a Jewish father, so I have a Jewish last name. But I was, ra- you know, actually raised Roman Catholic. So I did the whole, um, uh, uh, I did the whole Catholic school thing. I was an altar Same. boy when I was a kid. I went to a Jesuit high school. I was taught by priests. You know, I did the whole nine yards. And um, her impact on my life as a you know spiritual being mm-hmm. um, is actually one of the things that has brought me healing through this whole you know yeah. traumatic experience I've gone through because even though my, my, you know, my beliefs and the way that I express my faith is very different from my mom's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not at church every Sunday. I, I'm not re- you know, I find I, I'm spiritual in other ways. I'm a good human being. I give back to the community, et cetera, et yep. cetera. But knowing that her faith was so strong and so resilient um, throughout her life, helped me when she passed because I always knew and felt that she was still with me. Yes. Whether I would see her in my dreams or just passing thoughts of her or memories of her, or like I have probably, I'm not wearing one right now because I just got back from the gym, but I probably have 20 different pendants of 20 different saints that she had given me throughout my life and just keeping all those, the rosary beads, the prayer books, you know, all of these things mean so much more to me now because it really does feel like she is still with me. And, you know, my sister um, and my father have, you know, um, processed what has happened in in very different ways from myself. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, when I didn't show emotion the first week, because I was just in shock, they were just like, do you need to talk to someone? Are you okay? Like, how can we help you? I was like, you know what? Like, yes, I'm going to talk to someone, which I did. I, I saw like a family therapist and, and yeah. spent some time and had some really amazing discussions that really helped me. But I was actually able, despite how insanely abhorrent and miserable and horrific the experience was, I actually feel like I came to terms with it and, and found closure very quickly because the faith that my mom had was so strong and the, the spirituality and the faith that she instilled in me in my own way has been really strong. And that's given me a lot of strength through this whole thing. You know, it's interesting. You said, you know, I, I was raised Irish Catholic. Um, I wasn't an altar boy only for a neighbor's funeral. <laughs> um, but literally went to Catholic school from preschool through college. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, we would go to mass as a school and all of that. And, I'm not somebody that goes to church every Sunday, but I, like you, I still have my faith. I have my spirituality. And I used to uh, skate at Johnny's Ice House in Chicago over breaks. And we had a retired Navy chaplain there, Father Murray. He was in his 70s, still skating. And he would come early. And I don't think the other guys realized he was holding church in the locker room, but he was because we were just talking. And, you know, it's just him and I there there early the one day. And we, we were just kind of having a discussion on my faith. And I said, you know, I don't go to church every day, but I, I don't feel like I need to. And he goes, no, church is for the people that need that connection with God. You know, they, they can't find it elsewhere. He goes, you coming to hockey 
and appreciating it for what it is. He goes, that's church, mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. outside, going on a hike and appreciating where you're at. That's church. And like that. And he wasn't the only one that told me that. Cause when I was in college, I had a conversation with one of the brothers, brother Chris and same thing, you know, church is different for all of us. Um, it's what, what works for us won't work for somebody else. And brother Rod even said, you know, we see all those Catholics, they look great in church and then they get them out into the parking lot and we see what kind of Catholics they really are. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think, I think, yes, you, you know, you're going to connect with your, your inner, your inner spiritual self in a lot of different ways. And for us, I think it is through hockey. It mm-hmm. is just experiencing life as a goaltender. Um, and, and I've never felt that more strongly than after suffering significant loss. Yes. Um, I think it's so easy to take things for granted when life is rosy and everything is hunky dory. But when you get hit with something like losing a parent, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how close mm-hmm. or how far you are to that parent. Um, everything changes and all yeah. of a sudden you are just so much more grateful for your health, um, yep. the, 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 the luxuries that you have in life and the ability to go do what you love, which is just going to the rink and playing hockey. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was another like kind of realization that I came to, um, and something that I'm sure you're going to experience if you're not already is just well, how it, happy you are to just be doing what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Well, like, I, I had to fly out to Boston for work to stay after work. And I'm the kind of person I love a a uh, window seat because I just like to see what I'm flying over. So I book mm-hmm. a window seat and I get to my seat on the plane, and it is like the only window seat on the plane that doesn't actually. Have, it's like they intentionally did not put a window in mm. this spot. And like before, I I would have just been angry. And I looked at it, I was like, of course, like why why not? You mm. know. So I'm like, okay, just watch it. And then I get to the plane this morning at six o'clock in the morning i'm sitting here going why did i schedule a 6 a.m flight because i had to be up at like 3 15 to get to the airport and everything because i was in concord well i I was in concord but the airport is in boston so it's like a 45 minute drive so i'm like that was dumb but i was trying to be a good steward of the company's budget but uh i get to my seat and there's it was one of those where there wasn't one, but there was two windows at my window. So he's like, this is going to be great. And the closer we got to take off, the fog rolled in to the point where you could not see anything. Oh, like, but yeah. again, like pre mother's day, me would have been a little bit angry. It's like, okay, th- this to me, it was just funny at that point. And you know, mm. I, I well, was more tickled that there was this little like four-year-old next to me that was, you know, telling me all about his video games and everything. At one point I fell asleep and I woke up and, He's just leaning against me, playing his game. And I was like, all right, th- this is, you know, it could yeah, be worse. Yeah. Life could be worse. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think that's definitely one of the things I experienced, you know, after I got through the diff- most difficult part, which was, you know, the funeral and the family being mm-hmm. in town. This was at the height of COVID. So this was, you know, holiday season 2020. Yeah. Um, once I was able to start processing what I had just been through, yeah, I mean, that was the first thing I really started to recognize is like nothing rattled to me anymore. Yeah. Nothing is worse than what I went through losing a parent or experiencing something traumatic. And it just it just puts everything into perspective. Yeah. Um, and and again, 
that's something you have to be grateful for because yeah. not a lot of people get to experience something like that. And by no means, like I would do anything to give my mom back. I don't care about perspective. I don't care about any <laughs> of that. Like I, I don't need more. I don't want more wisdom. I want my mom back. You know, yeah. that's my yeah. feeling sometimes, but knowing that she's not coming back and she's still with me um, spiritually and everything else, like the perspective I have gained on life um, has, has, is something that I hold on to and I cherish and I value Mm -hmm. because that's, that's a gift from my mom from beyond, you know, your mother will teach you so many lessons in life. She will always be there for you. She has, you know, infinite love, but even in her passing, there are lessons that she will teach you. And these are some of the things that I've learned. And I didn't play a lot of beer league hockey after my mom passed the first game that I went out and played um, I obviously dedicated to my mom and it was one of my better games in probably the last two or three years. And that was all her. Yeah. And, and like no goal against no loss will ever be nearly as difficult as overcoming no. the loss of a parent. Right. So it, yeah. it just, it, it's, it's just amazing how you have that shift in perspective, um, after facing something like this. Yep. Now you, you mentioned your spirituality and knowing mom's with you. <laughs> when my grandfather, her dad passed away, me, my sister, my mom, like he would come to us in our dreams. I remember before my first college game, uh, my first start, I ha- I vividly remember this dream. And I'm not a person that remembers my dreams. And the phone rang, my mom answered, and she goes, hey, you're Opa, because he was Dutch, and that's Dutch for grandpa. She goes, Opa's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. And just kind of looked at her. I was like, mom, you know, he's dead, right? And she goes, yeah, but he still wants to talk to you. And I go, okay. So I answered the phone. I was like, hello. And he goes, hey, I, I hear you're starting the game tomorrow. And I just, I want to wish you good luck. I go, thanks. But um, you know, you're dead. And he goes, yeah, I know, but I'm going to be there. So I, I just wanted to let you know and wish you good luck. I was like, oh, okay. And so, and then I woke up and I was like, whoa, that was weird. And I, I didn't tell anybody, you know, I didn't tell mom or anybody that for a while and then i told her my sister's like i i get dreams like that too she's an or mm. nurse and okay. she said sometimes she'll feel his hand on her shoulder in certain mm-hmm. procedures and stuff and my mom's like oh yeah he all the time he's coming to my dreams and just you know doing his regular stuff but anyway as my mom was going downhill my sister looks at her and she goes no mom you make sure you haunt us you know mm-hmm. just trying to be funny Mm-hmm. we went to the crematorium to you know do things because she was cremated i say she was cremated but it's this new process called aquamation where mm. they actually use water okay um, it, interesting i don't understand the chemistry behind it but like she said if you have a pacemaker in you like once it's all done, that pacemaker, if they really wanted to, they could clean it up and reuse it. Like it's, Interesting. it's a clear process and yeah, it, it fit who she was. But so we go there and we, you know, do all the stuff we need to. And the lady pulls my sister aside and she goes, uh, I just want to let you know, your mom's been messing with me. And my and we didn't tell her any of this stuff. And my sister just goes, well, what do you mean? And she goes, she's been opening and slamming doors all day. And my okay. sister's like, okay. And she goes like, at first I thought it was the air conditioning. She's like, do you notice it's all hot and muggy in here? And she's like, oh yeah, now that you say it, it is kind of hot for time of year. And she goes, yeah, I turned it off thinking maybe there was a draft and nope, they still kept going. She goes, so then I, 
intentionally made sure I latched the door. Like it, maybe it wasn't shut all the way. And she goes, they were still opening and closing. And she's like, mm. I've been doing this a while. And this kind of freaked me out. Mm-hmm. So she said she called her husband and he goes, well, set up some cameras. So she sets her phone up, turns the camera on to record the door. Nothing's happening. As soon as the phone rings, well, the camera stops recording and the door opens and closes. So as she's telling this, my sister starts laughing and she tells her, you know, that she told mom to mm-hmm. haunt her. And she goes, okay, that makes sense. This Interesting. Is the, this is the first like power that she's discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of days later, she had another family in there and they smelled smoke. And like to the point where when they left, the lady called the fire marshal to come and inspect the building. Like there's got to be something smoldering somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the fire inspector came, went up into the attic, everything, nothing. And he's like, well, maybe it's just, you know, some remnants of, you know, what you guys do here. And she's like, no, we don't use fire for anything. Like hmm. there's, and he's like, I don't know what to tell you. And so we came the next day to pick mom up and, and she, so she takes me and my dad back there and she's like, you can still smell it a little bit. And like we sniffed and it smelled, my dad was a fireman for mm-hmm. 30 plus years. It's had that smell that like my dad would smell like after he came home after a working fire. It was just mm-hmm. the weirdest thing. And, you know, mom was a borderline hoarder. So as we were starting to get rid of some of her stuff, <laughs> like we would try and do this before she passed, but she would just get upset and like yell at us. So we were we weren't even throwing anything away yet. We were just going through it. And all of a sudden, like we got to something we knew she would want thrown away and the lights turned off and on and oh, nobody was near the switch. And we we're all like, Ooh, yeah. okay. Don't Clearly we away. won't throw this one. Yeah, away. That's exactly <laughs> but it was just right. like, so like to a lot of people, I think that would scare the daylights out of them. But for mm-hmm. us, when it's been happening, we just laugh at it now. It's just like, yep, mom, you're here. We get it we are not going to forget about you. And yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Uh, that's well, I'm yeah. glad, I'm, I'm glad that you had, you know, it sounds like you had a chance to spend some time with your mom, you know, before she passed. Um, what was that? Was that really difficult for you? Uh, well, as I actually took notes to kind of go through that. So in the fall of 2020, mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. And you know, they caught it super early. You know, she said she remember she had had the mammogram. I don't know what, what the tests they do to find them mm-hmm. like a month earlier and nothing was there. And then she said she woke up and felt like a golf ball in there. Oof. And she's like, that wasn't there just a few weeks ago. So she went to the doctor, they biopsy it. They're like, yep, you know, but we can get this because it's so soon. And she went through, I think it was 12 weeks of, chemo twice a week mm-hmm. um pretty aggressive it's it started to um really wipe her out you know she started to lose her hair and she started to get really tired um and, and this was during covid so not only is she's going through all this but she could you know had to sit in those uh treatments by herself my mm-hmm. dad couldn't go in with her he, right. he would he would sit in the parking lot with a book and wait for her to where she could look out the window and see him. And what was really mm-hmm. sweet is on the island they live in, friends of theirs would find out what days she was going and they would show up and sit with dad. Mm. The problem is it turned into a bit of a tailgate party for them. Okay. <laughs> but, you That's know, it, they, they still had that support, which was funny. But it mm. was 
right around Christmas, he was starting to really get tired. And uh, I, my wife booked me a flight and I surprised him. And mm. that kind of gave her some energy, you know, just this unexpected. It, and my dad even said, you know, she, she needed that. And mm-hmm. then my sister and her kids were there for Christmas. So she got that energy to get her through the uh, the 12 weeks. And then the other thing we did is uh, we did family Zoom calls once a week. Since my sister's in Chicago, we're out here in Minnesota. They're out in North Carolina. It's right. just one of those things where at least once a week. And between the five teenagers, we really didn't talk about much. It was just them talking their nonsense and laughing. But she loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then she she beat the cancer. Uh, she had her scan. She was in, in remission, but still, you know, the regular checkups and we had her out last summer. We said, you know, you, you and dad want to come out and spend you know, like a week, spend some time with the kids. And she goes, I want to, but I'm going to leave your dad home because I, I just want to come out myself. And we're like, all right. So she came out, she came to a couple of my son's baseball games. God love her. She was sitting in 90 plus degree heat, uh, in the one ballpark had zero shade. And she's like, I don't care. I brought my son's screen. Like we're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, she, she just, and cause her thing was, she was done giving gifts. She just wants to create memories. So she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to watch the ball game with the kids. I'm going to sit out on the back deck and talk, with, you know, my daughter. Uh, and so we had a great visit and then they came up for Christmas and it was just a really good Christmas, but it was about, about a month before mother's day. She started to not feel good, mm-hmm. you know, just, but she, she was a lifelong smoker, so she's having trouble breathing. So I thought maybe, you know, COPD was acting up. And she had just had one of her regular scams. You know, I think it was one of the every three-month scams. And it came back clear. So her oncology, when you have cancer, once you beat it, every time you get sick and they really don't know what's up, they're like, well, go see your oncologist. Yeah. Even if they think it's something, they're like, still go see your oncologist. And she, because they just had the clean scan. They didn't think much of it. They were like, all right, we'll get you in in three weeks because your blood bubbles weren't terrible, but it's just goes here. Mm-hmm. Well, she kept getting worse, harder to breathe, a lot more tired. And so finally she just told my dad, take me to the hospital. I'm just mm-hmm. not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And they wound up admitting her and started running the test and everything else. And it just, you know, nothing was working for her. And so finally they got the last of the tests back. And now my sister is a nurse. So she was checking her chart every day. Mm. My wife worked in healthcare, was checking her chart every day. And we kept looking at like the white blood count levels and some of these other levels. And they just kept going down and down to the point Mm. where the doctor hadn't told me and my sister to come yet, but we saw the path things were going. And so we, it was on Friday, right before mother's day, that morning we're like, we need to get out there. You know, like mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on, but we need to get out there just open-ended, whatever mom needs, whatever dad needs help with, we need to be there. So we booked mm-hmm. the flights. We're going to land within 20 minutes of each other the next morning. And this is another one of those things. When you think spirituality, we had frequent flyer miles. It cost like 900 frequent flyer miles to get me from Minnesota to Wilmington, North Carolina. Any other time, it's like 30,000. Interesting. And so, and it was just like, yep. And then we used our miles to get my sister there from Chicago. It was like the same thing. It was like next to nothing to get us out there. It's like, Mm. oh, like we didn't question or 
anything at the time. So it's just like, all right, we got both of us booked. But then like after things happen in my life, the kids were trying to get flights out there. And then me come home after a couple of weeks of helping my dad, it was just like ridiculous. It was like, oh my God, yeah. let's just rent a car. It'll be cheaper. Right. <laughs> but um, so we get out, you know, we booked the flights. And then Friday we had a phone call as a family with the doctor. And she goes, you know, we don't understand why, but the cancer came back and it's in the bone marrow mm-hmm. and it's, it's aggressive. And she goes, if you do nothing, you may have four weeks. Mm-hmm. And she goes, if the other option, and it's a hail Mary, we don't know if it'll work and odds are it won't, but you can do chemo again. And my wife said, after, or my mom said after the first going through chemo once, she's like, never again. Will I do never. Uh, yeah. Because it just took too much out of her. But the doc, you know, doctor said it wouldn't be the same one. My mom called it Big Red. She's like, it wouldn't be the same one because you don't want to do the same one that close to each other. And wouldn't lose your hair. And without even thinking my own, so I, I got too much left in me. I'm, I'm going to fight this. And so we're mm-hmm. like, okay. So we land Saturday morning. You know, we had one of the friends from the island pick us up so that dad didn't have to leave the hospital. They, they were great. I mean, they picked us up dropped us off at the hospital, took our bags, put them in our rooms at my mom and dad's house. Like Mm -hmm. those people were great to us out there in that, that situation. But uh, we got there. It was a good day. We were laughing, you know, mom was tired, but she was being mom to us, you know, giving us the crap. And she had that first infusion and we're like, okay, you know, and she even said, all right, it was, wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And about four 30, she, she was tired. So she goes, you guys go home, get some dinner, just, you know, have a good night and I'll see you in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, the funny part is my dad got a red light ticket. Um, and so she goes, did you pay that ticket yet? And he's like, no, no. And she's like, you bring that tomorrow and we're going to get this paid. And he's like, okay. So my sister puts it in her phone to pay the ticket. And what we didn't know is mom was kicking us out of the room because she knew after that first infusion, she didn't have it in her. Mm. And so she called the doctor's and signed the papers and was like, no, I'm done. And uh, overnight, the good Lord started his process of Mm -hmm. bringing her home. And in the morning, we looked at her chart and saw things weren't good. We got up there on the way there. The doctor called us to prepare us for what we're walking into. And she, she was coherent, but she, couldn't talk anymore. Mm. And so, you know, we held our hands and the three of us were there. And I'm so glad that you were able to be there with your family members with her when, before she went and it's totally okay to be sharing emotion like this right now. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast with you because it's important for people to know it's okay to have the emotions. In Absolutely. Fact, it, it's healthy. And if, if you don't, it's, you know, oh, you gotta, worry you gotta something. let it, you gotta let it go at some point, man. Yeah. You gotta let it out at some point. And if, if I'm the guy that you, <laughs> you know, need to have on your show for you to be able to, to let it go and yeah. share her story. Like, I think it's amazing that you can share her story and her final days um, and how your family came together yeah. um, to be there for her and be there for each other is, is amazing, man. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a different story for my family because yeah. 
my mom was here one day and she was gone the next. And right. it, the only one she was around, thank God my dad was there. Right. Yeah. But not, but not thank God because my poor father, you know, they were married for 40 years. She basically died in his arms. Um, and, and my sister yeah. and I were devastated with the fact that my dad had to experience that alone, you know, and, yeah. and the morning, the morning my mom died, I got a phone call from my sister and I was in bed and all I heard was hysteria. Like I couldn't make out any words. I had just woken up, but my instincts were so like the instinct was just like, jump out of bed, get in my truck, go to my dad, my parents' house. Yeah. And, and that's all I could do. I wasn't thinking I was in my pajamas. Like I don't even think I had shoes on. I don't even care. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, you know, by the time I got to my parents' house, my mom has already, was already gone. She was already in the ambulance to the, to the hospital. And I could just tell by the look on my dad's face, like, okay, that she's gone. Yeah. Um, But I can say that even though I wasn't there when my mom passed, we had a moment a few days beforehand where my parents were at this property. They were going to buy this new house. It was just me and my mom walking around this new property, which was like kind of in the woods in this place called Palmer Lake in, in Southern Denver. And and we just had a moment where it was just really peaceful. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to tell my mom, like I love her before she passed. Right. But, but we had a moment where it was, you know, just, mom being mom talking to me about what am I doing with life? How's, you know, how's this, that, the other, and, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really special that you had a chance to be with your family and you had that moment yeah. as difficult as it must have been. I hope that you and your family members always hold on to that. Um, yes. and that, and that you guys bonded over that and it brought you closer. Yeah. Um, Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in all of sports. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and bet $5 on any NHL team to win. And get $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Our, my father and my, my sister and I are closer than we've ever been. Yep. But what's really interesting is that the other side, like my mom's side of the family, her sisters have actually like have actually pulled away from us, which is really interesting and and like not something that I expected. But it's yeah. just it just goes to show that like the 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 bonds that you do have with your family members are so so important. Yeah. Um. And and it's great to know that you you know like I said that you had that beautiful moment even though it was a sorrowful one and a really hard one. Mm-hmm. I hope you do see the beauty in it and you realize oh, yeah. that like 
you you've got that to hold on to and to you know to just be able to kind of push through and move on and and be able to look back and and hopefully just know that like having them there was was so important oh yeah i mean we we were there with her she wasn't alone she was comforted um and it was strangely peaceful you know she didn't struggle um Mm. I think it would be selfish for me to say she wasn't scared. I think anybody in that situation would be scared because yeah. while we have our faith, there's still that unknown. You know, mm-hmm. as we know, growing up in the Catholic faith is it's it's a blind faith. You just have to trust. And mm-hmm. even when you have that blind, it's like doing a trust fall. You have the blind faith that those people behind you are going to catch you, but there's still that fear that they're not. And, yeah. you know, yeah. so, but it, it was peaceful. It was and it was quick and she didn't suffer. And that's what I'm mm. thankful for. You know, she, she really didn't. And uh, my family, we deal with things with humor, uh, oftentimes mm. dark humor. So when we got back to the house, you know, dad had joked that uh, the car was in mom's name. So he, he finally owns the car and the house is outright his now. And, and I looked <laughs> at that, I went, wait a minute, the car was in mom's name. And he goes, yeah. I said, you don't have to pay that ticket anymore. Right. Technically, that's a mom's name. And he, just, <laughs> he just started laughing. Yeah. You know? But, you know, yeah, that, that was a surreal day. And we were driving home from the hospital, the three of us. Actually, we went to Hoplite. That was a little place, uh, you know, the friends that made the dinners. That's where mom and dad always went. And she liked her whiskey. And they had a deal there mm-hmm. where, you know, so many shots. And you got your name on a plaque. And she liked her Jameson. So... We had called, they knew what was going on and we got there and they had three, three of them lined up for us. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Sounds like your mom knew how to party. She smoked and she drank and she lived a good life and she went to baseball games and supported your yeah. hockey. And... You know, that, that was one of the, I don't know if it was cathartic or what, but dad is not good with technology. And so as we were going through things. I went to throw something away and I found an external hard drive in the garbage can. Mm. And I go, dad, what's this? He goes, I don't know. So I threw it away. I said, dad, it's an external hard drive. Do you know what's on here? He goes, I didn't know what it was. So why would I know what's on there? So I plugged it in. There were at least 4,000 pictures on there. So then my brother-in-law looked at him. He said, new rule. If it's the electronic and you don't know what it is, it goes in this basket over here until one of us (laughs) can come come visit and tell you what's on there. And he's like, okay, mm-hmm. fair. So I went through and archived all these photos and folders of like one for each of the grandkids, one for his family, one for Fred, all of that went through 4,000 photos. And it was clear. I mean, she led a full happy life. She laughed mm-hmm. a lot. It was like, you know, every life there's ups and there's downs, but God, were there a hell of a lot of ups and good, it was good. filled with laughter. And so there was a lot of joking about stuff like that um you know so that 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 was the nice part uh i, I would say you know you mentioned it wasn't until the the funeral that kind of things hit you mm-hmm. that was one of the bad things of mom and dad living way out where they were because we had to have two services okay we had the one out there and then mm-hmm. this uh past weekend we had the one in chicago and you know what the one out there wasn't as bad because it was a lot of their people from the last 10 years from their island and their, you know, it's, it's a lot of part partying, you know, good times. Mm-hmm. But the one in Chicago was a bit harder because it was family and these were older relationships and mm-hmm. older memories. So it's just, you know, 
a deeper cut for us than it was maybe for the people out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that, that was a little, little difficult. Yeah. My, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life was I actually had to write the, um, the, uh, eulogy for my mom. Same. My, my dad wouldn't, you know, my dad, no way we were going to make him do it. My sister wasn't going to do it. So I, that it's pretty much me, you know, they know I'm a writer. They know I've written books. They're like, you write the eulogy. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, how, you know, how am I going to like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But sure enough, um, you dig deep, you stand up and you know, you have a role to play in all of this. Yeah. And writing my mom's eulogy was hard. Yep. What was even, what was even more difficult was at the funeral, Giving which it. was, which w- was, was reading it. Yeah. I don't know how I got through it, but again, sometimes you just, you have to let go yep. of, of fear and worry and how's it going to go and this and that. And, and just life takes over yep. and, and I got through it and, and that was the hardest thing I've ever had to write. The hardest thing I've ever had to do. And you know, just reading the eulogy when I had to look out, you know, cause you, you yeah. try, you're reading the paper, but you're also making sure you're making eye contact and just having to look at my dad was really yes. tough because he was just so heartbroken. And he, he was kind of like me. He's just like, I, I, you know, I've been married to this woman for 40 years. She's gone. Like, yeah. What it, how, how is life going to continue? And that was extremely tough. And on top of all of that, the the casket with my mom in it was in between the main like in the middle of the aisle right yeah and the family always sits at the front of the church well sure enough we all file in and i'm sitting literally right next to my mom's casket in the yeah. front row of the church <laughs> and i'm looking to my right and i just see my mom's casket and i'm just in my mind i'm just like this is the most surreal Yep. thing I've ever experienced. And now I've got to find the strength after being exhausted for the past week, getting no sleep, trying to comprehend what the heck happened. Now I have to go up and try and immortal, you know, like, like remember my mom and speak, you know, coherently and read something that I wrote, you know, to- totally exhausted out of my mind. You know, it was just so yeah. much that I felt so much pressure, but again, you, you just take that deep breath and you, you, you lose yourself in that moment. And it came out, you know, I was able to speak it and, and write something and people really, you know, appreciated what I wrote. And it was, um, a tr- you know, afterwards I was like, wow, that was a huge honor to be able to, yeah. you know, write something to and more, you know, memorize, you know, remember my mom at her funeral. Um, and I, again, you look at things so differently after the fact, and I look at that and I'm like, yeah, that was torture. That was like unbearably horrific. But now I look back and I'm like, that was actually a gift that I was the one that got the chance to speak and, and, you know, say that. So that was, uh, probably the toughest thing because when she passed, it was like, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing the doctors could have done. There's nothing the paramedics could have done. We called 911. They got there in five minutes. It, it, a brain aneurysm is a brain aneurysm. Yep. You're not, you know, you're, if you're in that 0.001%, you're surviving. 99.9% of the time, that's it. Lights out. Um, and so that was yeah. easy for yep. me to kind of come to terms with. But having to go through everything after that leading up to speaking and, and saying her eulogy was 
the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. So yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just interesting how you look back, you know, now it's been a year and a half for me, mm-hmm. um, how you look back and you're like, wow, this, you know, lose loss, loss is hurt, terrible. It hurts. Um, but it's unavoidable. Yep. And, and the gift you get from that is the gift of strength yeah. and the gift to be able to talk to someone like yourself, who's recently gone through it. And you can see, I, you know, I've got a lot more gray hair <laughs> than, the, than the last time we talked. I got a lot more gray hair, but look, dude, I, I stand up every day. I still get after yeah. it. Yep. I stand up, but yes, I had to take a year off from work. You didn't see me on social. You didn't see me doing a lot of the lift the mass stuff because I can't help others unless I help myself first, mm-hmm. but I've helped myself. I've gotten some healing and now I can have a conversation with you. We can remember our moms. We can do this podcast and we can hopefully help others that are going to lose or have lost significant others in the recent, you know, recently as well. Yeah. And I and think that's a gift. That's exactly why, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when I was thinking of that first episode back, it seemed natural that it, it would be you and, you know, I don't know about you, but I found writing and giving that UOG therapeutic at the same time. As hard as it was, mm-hmm. it was therapeutic. And for the North Carolina service, a friend of my mom and dad's who he's a, an internet ordained minister. So he's done some weddings and he's so mom and dad knew he could, you know, speak and put a good story together. So they mm-hmm. asked him to do it and, and Jeff did a nice job for that one and who the audience was Mm -hmm. the Chicago one my aunt gave part of you know gave one and that was my mom's sister and she talked about you know growing up and kind of a nice timeline of her life whereas to me mom and my wife she was the one that brought this up and she was going to give the eulogy but uh she she wasn't feeling well and her doctors didn't want her to travel so I was like well Mm -hmm. this still needs to be said and she goes your mom was like she loved being a mom and a grandma. So, I mean, my, we were driving home from the hospital and my dad was, you know, just quiet. And he goes, you know, it just really sucks that this happened on Mother's Day. It's not ruined mm. Mother's Day. And before I left the hospital, my wife and I were on the phone and she goes, it's actually fitting. It was on Mother's Day because mm-hmm. that's, that's what defined her. Mm-hmm. And so when my wife was going to give the eulogy, it was going to focus on her being a mom, not just to me and my sister, not just a grandma to, you know, the five grandkids, but to everybody, you know, she was a hockey mom, you know, mm. it didn't matter if there was an old teammate of mine that was on another team and they were thirsty after a game, she was giving them a couple bucks to go to the concession stand. You know, I, I, I talked about that in the OG and just talked about how she was everybody's mom. But I remember when she was here for Christmas, she had mentioned, you know, she was done buying gifts. It was all about creating the memories now. And so mm. it's like that, that's what I'm going to take away from it. And uh, her other big thing, she would always tell everybody, I love you to the moon and back. So it's like, mm. that, that's the thing now. It's God, is it hard to look at the moon and not think of her? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, um, I think that is, that is, you know, I think now for you now, since it's only been a few months. Oh, it's weeks. It's only been a few it's, weeks. <laughs> okay. It's only been a few weeks, yeah. man. I, I didn't know. I thought it was a couple months. Well, yeah. I mean, wow. Good for you to be able to talk about it so soon. It took me uh, about a month, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think again, it's like you are an extension of your mother. So that strength is coming from her, you yeah. know, your yep. ability to talk about it is, it's not to say that you don't have that <laughs> strength, but she's, 
she's empowering you to be able to talk about it. And I hope you realize how much that um, I respect that about you, you know, because I was just in shock for two weeks. I, I yeah. couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't, cr- I didn't cry until the day of the funeral. Um, and it was while I was writing, you, you said something earlier, you said writing, it was therapeutic. Yeah. If I didn't write the eulogy for my mom, I don't know how long I would have gone until I actually did cry. Um, so I agree with you. It was therapeutic and it's just, isn't it freaking impossible to summarize your mom in like a couple of paragraphs, you know, like, well, like, where do like, where do I even start? Where do I go with this? Like, you know, my mom's list of accomplishments was all about her faith. It was all about her faith. Yes. She, she rode horses, you know, she was a mother to me and my sister, you know, this, that, and the other, but man, she was defined by her faith. And for me, knowing that I will never, ever, ever even come close to matching her, you know, faith, like, man, how do I stand up in this church and, and try to, um, immortalize her and remember her the right way. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just one of the things I kind of was thinking about before coming on the podcast was how, you know, and I mentioned this before I said like, nothing will rattle you anymore, Right. you know, like oh, you know, your kid breaks a bone or something. You're like, no big deal. Like you're fine. Right. Like, okay. That perspective is one thing, but for yourself. And what I've learned is that no sea is so deep that you can't rise above it again. You know, like, like I said earlier, no loss is going to hurt nothing. You can overcome anything now. Yeah. Whatever, whatever life throws at you, you will find the strength to overcome it because you've overcome one of the toughest losses you can have as a human being. And that is losing a parent. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that strength is imbued in you from your mom. Right. Right. It's not just coming from yourself. It comes from your ancestry. It comes from those before you. And so I look at life totally different now. Um, it's changed me in so many ways and the loss that I've felt continued right like after my mom died my dad got covid two months later was in the hospital the horror right like my god i just went through this with my mom now i might have to go through it with my dad like my sister and i were just in shock again yeah miraculously he pulled through and we were able to overcome that very easily compared to my mom because we had just went through it yeah you know and then and then it was for me it was oh my god i've got to try and go back to work well you know what no i'm not going to go back to work i'm actually quitting my job (laughs) so again that was another thing that was a quote-unquote loss i let go of that job that that nice secure paying job job. I let go of that because I knew I wasn't going to be a hundred percent and I had to take time off. Then the next thing I had to let go of was the e-bug role. Yeah. I let go of that. I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I had never felt anxiety doing the e-bug thing, but this past season, after I did four or five games, the first half of the year, I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I've been through too much. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth the anxiety. I'm 40 years old. I've had a good run as an e-bug. Like it's time to move on. And so that loss again, like beforehand, it was mostly ego driven. But when you suffer the loss of a parent, you also are able to let go of other things so much easier. And letting go of those things, whether it's you know yeah. a gig as an e-bug or a, you know a cushy job get that pays well, those letting go of those things allows you to have a new rebirth in life. Mm-hmm. 
And there's not a lot of 40 year old guys or, or guys that are our age that can actually re rebuild their life or restart their life in a new way and, and come out of the loss stronger and with a new type of identity. And, right. and that's what I think you will experience in your own way over the next year is you will find that the loss hurts, but it also allows you to kind of rebuild yourself into someone stronger, more wise and more committed to your family and the things that you love to do. And it took me a while to get to that point, but now every thing I do is done with more intent, more passion and more gratitude. And I feel like the results um, have been better. So for me, it was the first thing I got to do that was like, kind of like my comeback was the retreat in Breckenridge at the beginning of the month. Yeah. First time I had really done anything, you know, work related since my mom passed first time seeing all these goalie coaches and, and the demo goalies in three years. And I can safely say I knocked it out of the park. It was the best GGR I'd hosted because I was so much more, um, in the moment with the goalies in the moment with the coaches able to enjoy the experience yeah. as opposed to worrying about how it looked and what kind of stuff I was posting on social and, you know, organizing all this stuff. I was able to let go of all of that egocentric stuff mm -hmm. and just be in the moment with the goalies and the coaches, enjoying Breckenridge, enjoying being on the ice, enjoying the learning. It, it and looked so, amazing in Kaz's videos. I still got to watch yeah. the last four. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate that he, he put those out there because I think it gave, gives, you know, some of us other goalies insight as to what it's about. It's not just sitting in a conference room watching PowerPoints. Yeah. It, it's really the hands-on, and, and it's not just the X's and O's of goaltending. It's, you know, very much the mental side of it, too, mm -hmm. uh, because that's just as, that's more important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that's the point I really, you know, wanted to make and share with you is that you will, you will, you will, it's almost like a Phoenix rising, right? Yeah, like you, yeah. you will go through this process of loss and sorrow and, and you'll have to adjust the way that you live and everything's going to change. But man, when you get through that process and it'll happen naturally and you'll realize when you've gone through it, because you will, you will just, see life so differently. And I'm sure it's already happening, but it's yep. only been a few weeks. So it's all very fresh, but man, when you get to that point where it's been a year or a year and a half, whatever it is, it's different for everyone, man, you will have so much more appreciation in everything that you do. Um, whether it's spending time with your kids or it's playing beer league hockey, or it's doing the Tendy talk podcast, you will just appreciate and the work will look and will feel so much more, um, so much more right and yeah. so much more valued by yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I, and I hope, you know, we have a chat, whether it's in six months or whatever that time is. And you're like, man, you're right about that. Like, I'm just loving this. Like you're loving life again. Um, and that's, I think that's, again, something that is a gift from, from your mom, you know, like a yeah, gift absolutely. that my mom gives me, you know, and that's why it's just important to remember and, all that stuff you had, you said she was kind of like a hoarder. Well, at least you've got a shitload of stuff. It's part of my friends, at least you got a ton of yeah. stuff, right? To always remember her. And um, yeah, I cherish every little trinket, every little note, every little card that, you know, anytime I see my mom's handwriting, it's just a good feeling now, as opposed to when it was really fresh, it was like, man, this is hard. Yeah. Um, now you just appreciate it, you know, and, and I'm really happy that you got, you know, however many years that you are with your mom, you know, yeah. like 
there's a lot of friends I have that lost their mom when they were 12, 13, yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm just like, man, I, I can't imagine, you know, I've got a good friend, a goalie coach that lost his mom at a young age. And he is, I have so much more respect for him knowing what he went through. And I didn't really know what he went through until he told me, Hey man, I know you, you know, I'm just going to tell you, this is what I experienced with my, and that is what I think is, is so great about the goalie community is like, your goalie friends with these guys, but then something happens in your life and you realize, holy shit, they've been through it too. Like, yep. man, that just makes those friendships so much stronger and so much more valuable um, and so much more valued um, as an individual. So I'm always here for you, man. Oh, always I know. Here for I know. You. And, and I'm, I, like I said, man, like props to you for being able to talk about it so soon because there's, I, I there's no way, like it took me, a couple of months before I even put anything on social, I think, um, yeah. that my mom had passed. So well, good for you, man. If anything from the lift the mask, in fact, I've got some of the stickers right here in my uh, windowsill. Cause I, I, always keep, I, yeah. I keep them in my wallet, but uh, I don't like to put all of them in there, but I got a yeah. few of them here sitting still, but um, that it's important to talk about it and not bottle it up because if we bottle it up, then it, it becomes too hard and, and we suffer quietly uh, and that can lead to things we don't want it to like, you know, dependency on alcohol or, or some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, like you said, mom liked her whiskey. So I've had quite a few shots of whiskey since her passing. There I'm not go. a whiskey drinker. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> for the Chicago service, we flew my kids out a couple of days early because my dad was out there and I got them tickets to go to a Cubs game. So that they had a good, happy core memory from that trip together and all of that. But I flew out Friday night by myself and, and at, at uh, the Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport in Terminal 2, they have a Minnesota wild bar that has like some down boat race mask and stuff in there. So I'm like, I'm, go- I'm getting there early. I'm going to go. I'm going to have a beer. And the ordering there is online. So I, I scan the QR code. I order myself a beer. And like, I've never had this happen to me, but it's like, do you want a whiskey chaser with your beer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whiskey chasers with a beer aren't a thing, but okay, I'm going to do this because it's like, something's telling me I need to have a shot of whiskey here. And like the number one, you know, option was a Jameson, which was mom's whiskey. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have a beer and a whiskey. And I sent a picture to my buddy, Ashley. And I was like, either I need to drink more whiskey or I need to stop drinking whiskey <laughs> altogether because I've yeah. only had one shot and one beer and I'm feeling good. And he started laughing. You there know, you it's go. Like, oh my God. It's just, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I've got the Eddie Belfour whiskey up on the shelf. I, I've kind of felt like I need to craft one of those open for my. The, the Eddie Belfour whiskey. Yeah. The Eddie Belfour whiskey is epic, man. That was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, you know, again, not a whiskey drinker, but I can drink that stuff. It's it's good. It's um, smooth, right? <laughs> it really is. Like, you know, <laughs> my thing with whiskey is it it's kind of to me, it's like a rocket fuel. Like it just it burns going down, it has the aftertaste, but that Belfour whiskey, it's smooth and it doesn't have that lingering aftertaste or like you feel like you wanna die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, man. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talked about the, the summit, which, which is great. I would love to get out there one of these years for it. Uh, if anything, just to be out in Breckenridge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat being in Breckenridge at, uh, you know, the beginning of June with a bunch um, of goalies. 
with a bunch of goalies and, and, you know, I think you may have heard in one of Kaz's videos, the whole purpose for it is to give these goalie coaches a chance to be in a relaxed environment and to just try stuff that they never get to do during the season. Yeah. During the season, it's all about performance. It's managing your goalies. It's preparing them for big games. That's stuff that you have to do. You don't have time to explore. You don't have ice time to try new things um, and add variability to your practice plans and, and, you know, explore, like I said. So that really, I think now that we've done it for five years, the past two were virtual. So this was the third time we've been in Breckenridge. Yeah. I think now that we've done it a third time in Breckenridge, everyone really understands why I'm doing it, why it's held there and why it's okay to explore and be creative. Cause we need it. We desperately need it. Um, and, and yeah, I'm just really thankful. I've got a great relationship with the rink and a great relationship with the lodge and thankful that COVID was not an issue. Nobody got sick. There was no, you know, nothing like that. It's so um, low key in Breck that time of year. There's not a lot of people in the town, um, but everything's still open. So it's just kind of like, we kind of like get to go out and take over the town, which is one street, right? It's just main street, but um, being there while the abs are on the awesome playoff yeah. run was really cool. We got to watch the series against the Oilers. You know, it was just um, a really, really good bonding experience and a lot of great sharing and a lot of great fun um, I, for everyone that was there. I think a missed video opportunity for Kaz would be a goalies gone wild episode. Yeah. <laughs> goalies yeah, gone wild in Breckenridge. But I mean, yeah, there's, there's some clubs out there that stay open pretty late. Cecilia's is one that we like to go to. And yeah, it's just, you know, again, um, not everything has to be so darn serious all the time. No. And some of the best conversations and some of the new emerging things that we actually apply on the ice come in this, unstructured um environment when guys and guys and girls can just talk and and enjoy their surroundings and not have to feel stressed out and have to wear a jacket and have to feel like they have to present themselves a certain way or say a certain thing Mm -hmm. so it's a really valuable um experience for the coaches and for me it was it was my heart was so full and it was exactly what i needed to really get back on track because again it was the first time i'd done anything um, since my mom passed and I was just so happy to have my goalie buddies and these coaches together again. Um, like I said, my heart was full. Usually after the retreat or an event like that or a symposium, I'm like exhausted. I wasn't exhausted after this one. I was like fired up, like ready to get back on the ice with Zabs at mountain high hockey and all that stuff. And, you know, I've been back in the gym and on the ice, you know, a couple of times now. And, um, yeah, it was just it was just exactly what I needed, and and I think a lot of coaches felt the same way because it was our first time together in three years. You know, it's yeah. a really long time to not see your goalie buddies. So, so I know your phone battery is getting low. And yeah, yeah, normal it hasn't epi- died yet. Normal episodes, I end with a list of rapid fire questions. Okay, I'm ready. I've already done them with you for the goalie stuff, so it doesn't okay. make to do them again. But I, I still want to have a few that were goalie mom centric. So my question is what's your best hockey memory involving your mom? She only saw me play one game in my entire life because she was always afraid to watch me because she was worried I was going to get hurt. (laughs) So she would never actually come. So my mom was like 
she was a goalie mom, but not really a goalie mom. So I would yeah. say the the best memory was the one game she actually came to watch me play in high school. I will never forget that because she was freaked out the whole time and uh, <laughs> clutching, you know, clutching onto my dad's arm, just worried that I was, you know, something was going to happen and my, my head was going to get knocked off. So that's my favorite goalie memory of my mom is the one game she came to watch that, me play. That is, that's <laughs> awesome. See, my mom yeah. was the one that would come to every game. And, you know, she got it. But uh, for me, it was just looking up and seeing her smile. Excuse me, seeing her smile in the stands. Yeah. No matter how the game was going, I could look up and she was just there enjoying it. Just proud hockey mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So this, this may not have happened. What What's the earliest practice your mom had to take you to? Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, same sort of thing. Like I grew up in Texas, right? So I didn't really even like my first hockey practice, I was already almost 16 years old. So I was not the kind of goalie growing up where my parents drove me to hockey. Like I actually would just, it was just me going by myself to the rink (laughs) early in the morning, but yeah, yeah, you know, like that's, it's really kind of interesting. I have such a non-traditional, you know, youth hockey background that, um, but my mom did have to take me to like basketball practices because I was playing basketball when I was, you know, seven, eight years old. Yeah. And I was really serious about basketball before hockey came into my life. But yeah, I skipped that whole phase from basically <laughs> the age of whatever, five to 15. Yeah. Um, just because hockey wasn't a thing in Dallas until I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about the answer for myself on this one. And I think it would probably be about 7 a.m. because all the early practices, she made sure dad was taking me to those. Yeah, there you go. She was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. she was the one sleeping and, and making breakfast and stuff like yep, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the last question is, what's the farthest she drove to see? And I'll, I'll expand it to the basketball games. What's the farthest she drove to see one yeah. of your games? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, it's another good kind of cool thing about my upbringing is I was born and raised on a horse ranch, which was like an hour outside of Dallas. Yeah. So anytime I had to go play basketball, it was like at least a one hour drive just to get me into a suburb of Dallas. Um, and then she would hightail it back to take care of the horses, you know, before the sun went down. Right. So yeah, she did a lot of driving when I was younger, not necessarily for hockey, but just getting me and my sister anywhere in town because we lived out in the middle of nowhere in Parker, Texas. Um, yeah, she was a trooper for sure. And again, like it didn't matter what we had going on. If there was something at the church that had to be done or it was Sunday morning, like we were on our own. She was going to church. Like yeah. that was her number one priority. Yeah. And, you know, we always used to kind of like, like poke fun of her for it. Like, mom, your soul is, your soul is okay. Like you yeah. are going to heaven no matter what, like it's the rest of us yeah. that we need to worry about here. Like you don't need to go to church anymore, but man, she was so, so darn committed to the church. And like my passion for goaltending, um, my dad's passion for his business, you know, like my sister's passion for Pilates, like that is from my mom, like our passion in our lives for whatever we're doing comes straight from my mom because no one could beat her her desire her passion to just live the life that christ wanted her to live and she yeah. definitely did that to a t so that's awesome um yeah yeah very different upbringing for me compared to a lot of the goalie guys but um yeah you know still really appreciate my mom's commitment to you know giving me the opportunities that i had and 
Um, for me not being, you know, a hockey guy, you know, when I first went to her and was like, I want to be a goalie. She's just like, you want to do what? Like, you don't know how to skate. Like there's no ice. Like, where are you going to get here? But still, even though it was like the most bizarre thing for her to, for her to hear hundred percent, she was like, you want to do it, go do it. Like, don't let anyone stop you. So yeah, she was always super supportive. And again, I'm just so grateful that I had 39 or 38 and a half really good years with my mom. You know, yeah. I, so. I would say my mom was supportive because her license plate in Illinois was goalie mom. Oh, really? That's <laughs> yeah. unreal. Do you still have that license plate? My dad has it in the garage. Okay. I got to see yeah. a picture. I got to see a picture of that. I'm sorry. I think that's super freaking cool, man. Yeah. And I, I heard <laughs> that she drove us from the South side of Chicago all the way to Minneapolis to the Augsburg arena when I was in college, just to okay. see a game. Yeah. Uh, I've done that drive from Minneapolis to Chicago. So that's uh, I know that's not an easy drive. All yeah. right. Yeah. Awesome. As we joked in the, um, in my eulogy, cause my wife helped me write it. Uh, you know, it was an eight hour drive from our house to their house. And, uh, she oftentimes made it in six hours after my daughter was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like nobody is going to keep her from seeing her. Grand- seeing her granddaughter. Yeah, for sure. Uh, awesome, man. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for taking time to, uh, you know, be a part of this episode it is, you know, it's just, it's going to be a special one for me. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just uh, one day at a time, but also celebrating rather than grieving. Yep. And you know, it's okay to feel whatever you feel. Yeah, No one will ever judge you for sharing emotions like this on a podcast. And by doing that, not only are you healing yourself, but you're showing a lot of strength for everyone that's going to watch this episode. So kudos for you for doing it, man. Like I said, I wouldn't have had the strength to do that (laughs) so shortly afterwards, but um, it's a testament to how you were raised, man. And yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, very grateful and, and honored to be on this episode for your first one back. Um, and it's going to be great for you as you move forward. You're going to take this lesson and, and this, I don't want to call it a lesson, but this experience yep. and um, you'll be stronger because of it. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a experience that sucks to go through, but just about every single one of us is going to have to at some point in our lives. So exactly. It's... And, and like I said, man, you will not, nothing will rattle you anymore. No. And that will help you. <laughs> that will, it will help your game. I promise you I've experienced it and you'll look up and you'd be like thanks mom yeah i ain't rattled by that short yeah. side goal or hey. that's that leaky five hole no big deal I, i've had <laughs> enough goals scored on me that not much rattles me anyway yeah there you <laughs> go yeah same same here same here all, all right. right brother thank you so much man you have a good one thank you all right all you right. too see ya bye now i cannot thank justin enough for taking time to talk with me for this episode We were both honest, vulnerable, and open. We will never let the light of our mother's memories ever dim. It's because of them we are the well-adjusted goalies we are today. If you're struggling with grief and need somebody to talk to, be sure to visit liftthemask.com and click on their resource center for help. Or send me a DM on social media. I'm here to listen. Be sure to follow Justin on social media by searching for the Goalie Guild and He'll pop up on all different platforms. You can always find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube by searching Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, uh, my beer league hockey video highlights during the season, and of course, all podcast episodes. 
If you want some wash-up goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the, gl- the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many of us here, but shows like the Bolts Broadcast, the BC Hockey Podcast, and the Trust the Process show can all be found. A special thank you to Stompin' Tom Connors' record label for allowing me to use his song, My Hockey Mom, for this special episode. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. When I was young, I do recall We would go to school in the early fall But on the days when there was no school We'd learn to play by a different rule Get out of that bed, you sleepyhead, my hockey mum would say Grab your skates and don't be late, there's a hockey game today. And poor old dad was feeling bad because he couldn't come. He'd have to go to work and so I took my orders from my hockey mum. My hockey mum, she was my chum, my hockey mum. Then we drove to the rink in town And I'd hit that ice by falling down Then I'd score for the other team And you could hear my mom stand up and scream Get off of that ice, I told you twice to skate the other way And every year she bent my ear until I learned to play And when my stick got pretty quick and the puck to me would come Each time I scored I knew for sure where the loudest cheer was from My hockey mum, my hockey mum My day will come, my hockey mum Then one day a stranger came from far away And he took my name And very soon For the NHL I came to play And mom came to yell Get on that puck And stir things up Show some winning pride And every time she said that line I'd bang that puck inside And here's my dad All Mr. Glad He knew this night would come We're all lined up for the Stanley Cup And the tears are rolling from My hockey mum, my hockey mum, ain't she the plum? My hockey mum, my hockey mum, forever young, my hockey mum.